When was the last time your home felt truly peaceful? The pace of living and the expectations we have of what we can pack into our day, particularly for mummies, has just blown out of the water than it was, you know, 20 and 30 years ago. So when you combine those together, it means we're not as calm as we could be and our stress levels impact our children. Today on Feed, Play, Love, Maggie Dent is helping us to calm the farm that can be this parenting life. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. I am a firm believer that our home is our sanctuary. But when you're running late to an appointment and your baby's bum explodes right when you get to the front door or your child is fighting with their sibling, or a parent is yelling at a child, or the phone rings right when the dog loses its shears at the birds in the tree outside. Well, you get the picture. Life today can be hectic and stressful. So how do we get back to that place where our home is our sanctuary? Maggie Dent is a podcaster, author, and parenting educator, and she's here to help us Thank God. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Lovely to be back. I've got to say, when I started writing this, I have been to your home and it is a complete sanctuary down to the gorgeous... No children live there. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, that's... But you do have a very um, animated, shall we say, Mm. puppy dog. Yeah, I do. And also the grandchildren are there often. I think um, I... As a mother in amongst everything, when the boys were really little and quite noisy and chaotic, um, I just tended to make sure they went outside a lot. And I know that sounds really simplistic, but that was before the digital kind of world. Yes, we did have TV and yes, we did have play school. Um, I think what's happened is that we have just culturally shifted the expectations of what we can fit in. Um, when we're parenting and when we're, even when they're little, Chevy, there's endless little extra classes you can do for your children, you know, not even just right from story time down at the library and play group and all these other things. And we kind of want to do it all because we want to give our kids as much opportunity to shine as possible. It's like, if you don't do it, you're failing as a parent. And I think that's where some of the problem is that we that our children actually need to be able to not be hurried. And you identified that moment when families are trying to get out the door. Why is it so difficult? And that is because um, children aren't as attached to time as we are. No, you know? they're not. <laughs> and if you, you know that thing where you work back from the time you have to leave, trying to figure out what you're going to do, That it's a parenting strategy, isn't it? And I think... I think often mothers wake up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning already working their time schedules back to what extra they can fit in. Can I get an extra load of washing in? You know, um, can I can I sort out the eyebrows that are joining in the middle or have I got hairy legs or a chin <laughs> on my, you know what I mean? So we put like the to-do list is impractical, even mm. though it's noble. Is it also about this idea that we always have to be productive? Oh, because when I look at the generation, like my parents' generation, I didn't see them sit down and rest much. And even (laughs) now I see that being a real struggle with them to just not do much at all and just to sit down. 
And then I reflect on how I live my life and I think, hey, that's right, exactly what you said. Yeah. When I'm, If I'm working from home, I'm thinking how many loads of washing yeah. can I get on? Yeah. When do I what, walk the dog, clean everything? So if we go back one step, um, your folks and, um, you know, obviously one's a little bit older than me, they didn't have the time. So we didn't have dishwashers. We didn't have automatic washing machines. You'd have to go out and put it through a ringer or in a spin tumbler. There's something kind of bliss about, you know, sometimes doing the dishes um, took time. And I actually found it was quite creative for me because it's boring as bat poo <laughs> and you can't hurry it, right? Um, so I think that's one of the things that's definitely made it like our heads are way more stressful. But that to-do list is, it's pretty unique to women, Siobhan. And I keep reminding um, particularly busy mums who've got children probably under six that you never get in front as a mother because they're already wearing the next load of washing. Your son's probably done a skiddy on his jocks already. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? You just can't get in front. And I think if we lower that bar of our expectations um, and allow a little chaos some days, you know, I actually think we can find the space that older parents had because parenting was just as difficult. Kids were just as annoying and unpredictable as they are today. You know, we, they haven't changed. I'll give you the tip. <laughs> um, but it's, I think it's that we had a little more energy to be able to respond in the way that we'd like to. Whereas if you are trying to never-endingly chase your to-do list, and particularly women, we're very hard at comparing and despairing against ourselves. So we're at ourselves, which then doesn't bring, you know, the things you need to have in your beautiful brain and your body are the positive neurochemicals. And they're the ones that, you know, serotonin is the one that you get with that beautiful cup of tea, or if you're really healthy, it's a almond milk smoothie with kale and some chia seeds and with a dollop of coconut fat, you know, whatever it is that gives you that lift. Um, and sometimes it's a Tim Tam, let's be honest. Um, you can do that with breathing. You can do that by just taking your time when you hang some washing out and listen to the birds in the tree. You can take that time to just pause. But of course, that's not, not really easy with the to-do list, which is still banging at you going, and then the second thing is finding, I think, prioritizing likeness, laughter, and joy. Because I find that the more intense we get, the more we strive, the more we beat ourselves up about what we're not doing right, the more our nervous system is overloaded. So it doesn't take much for us to be triggered. Whereas if we are just, you know, singing a really bad song, dancing around the kitchen while your kids are having breakfast you may be lowering the cortisol in everyone in the house. So they may be in a good space when you say it's five minutes to take off. Um, and also um, just those little connection moments. Yeah, I, I just find that if we could slow everything down, you like to put it on the old slow-mo on the old, that really has a lot to do with stress because I can remember some days you know, going so fast that I'd race out and I'd get all the boys in the car and and, and then realise I'd left the keys. <laughs> yeah. You know, like something really fundamental that means, that means I am not able to use my 
cognizance as well as I can because I've already flipped myself into cortisol. And that's why I often say to parents, just keep three deep breaths quite often because it can lower, lowers your pulse rate. So I'm going to tell you, it's a simple thing, but when you start creating a habit, that's going to make a difference. And also your kids are going to go, mum, take three deep breaths, (laughs) you know, and that's okay because we're modeling to them as well. And Mm. sometimes they copy it. So sometimes I like the simple stuff. Can I ask, going back to the very start, Mm. you mentioned, uh, you know, there's all these things we can do with our kids from day dot. And we're talking about the parental to-do list when we've said all these Mm. things we have to do. Um, Do we need to be keeping an eye on those extracurriculars as well? Because I'll often talk to parents and they've got something on every night of the week. Their weekends are full. I'm like, I've only got stuff maybe twice a week and that does my head in. Yeah. I mean, is that over-scheduling of kids a thing to keep an eye on? Oh, the over-scheduled childhood is a very big thing and we've been writing about it for a long time. And it comes from a space of love. I want to give them all the opportunities. I want them to have all these things. Okay. So what, what I like to use is the, the metaphor of um, Goldilocks and that, you know, there are some really high energy kids that could do it. You know, one of my sons liked to play three games of soccer on a Saturday and he could still come home and drive me mad with his energy. But sometimes our children don't have it. So if you've got that opportunity, I am going to say that um, if you can work with another family that helps with some of the endless picking up and dropping off, that's going to lower your stress levels. And that other one is there are certain times of the year that getting home in the dark, seriously, no dinner cooked, and you've got the in the back of your head the expectation, I'm about to cook a nutritious meal. We're going to have a calm homework moment <laughs> and, and we're going to lead into bath time, a quiet read, and they will just fall into sleep. Well, it just <laughs> is impossible. <laughs> and everybody loses it, right? Mm. So I'm going to say that sometimes we have to sit as a family and go, what works for us? It depends on if you're lucky to be a co-parent, have a co-parent, what can you cover and what can I cover? Because if if that's me and therefore I'm already preparing to leave work an hour before I have to leave work so I'm not late and the traffic could, you know, endlessly, it can be creating the stress that's creating anxiety in your children that permeates into their day. So Goldilocks, it's just enough not too much and not none at all. And every family needs to have that conversation. You may have a child, you know, once again, who, you know, music is their thing. So they choose. That's my extracurricular activity. Yeah. And if you've got the energy, then maybe you can have another. But I think they have to see that having a crabby parent isn't necessarily a win, even if you're doing, you know, 15,000 things during the week. So I think it's also, we have to recognize the stress level of the parent in that, in that, in that space. Yeah. In chasing them around. Chasing around. Okay. I have a contentious question to ask you, Maggie. One of the things that I feel as a mum can really uh, make it hard to say no is events I'm meant to go to at school. So the Zone Athletics Carnival or um, Book Week or whatever it might be. When I when I can get there, I am so glad that I'm there and I know the kids love it. But there are so many things that you are meant to be there for, both at school and on the weekend. It feels impossible. But then I think, 
I know my parents love me. I don't remember them being at anything. So how important <laughs> is that kind of showing up to all the things that we're asked to show up to? Oh, look, I think this is such a good question because I actually can think back. I, I don't even remember my mum or my dad ever watching me play a game of netball in my entire childhood. They were playing golf. <laughs> Sorry, but I, I didn't feel any kind of, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's wonderful. You know, the kids love it when we're there. There's no question that when we can turn up. I think kids are really quite realistic as well, that if we have, we are working and we're working three quarters of the time, come on, for them. We want to have our homes, whether you, you know, have to pay a fortune for rent or you're paying a fortune for a mortgage. You know, sometimes that reality is way important. When we explain it to our children, that I'm going to see if this is, which of these things coming up would be something you'd really like me to be at. Yep. And then I'm going to really see if I can get some time. So they see that you are as committed to it. I really think kids accept that. I really, really do. And if you're like me anyway, sometimes you forget book week and it's (laughs) quite glad you're not there because your kid's walking around in a a pillowcase with something written on it that's not very exciting (laughs) and it sucks. Um, I think that our kids are really quite realistic. And I have, I've, I've listened to some beautiful mums who've been solo mums their whole life and who could not get to any of those things. And when they asked their kids later, their kids said, don't be ridiculous, mum, you were just working your backside off for us. Because they actually realise our kids aren't as um, entitled or self-important that they think, of course, they'd love you there. But they also get it that this is a tough journey and that parenting, um, you know, we actually have to eat. Yes. I do use that Forgive yourself. sometimes. <laughs> so you were mentioning there uh, about how we can take three deep breaths. I'm a huge fan of breathing. <laughs> Sounds like such a stupid thing tricky to say. if you don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but conscious breathing, yes. like you were saying, yes. the three deep breaths. Are there any other ways that we can sort of, in a toolbox, if you like, yeah. that we can keep for when this, when all those things happen? Are there other things we can do in that moment apart from breathing? I mean, how do we calm our own nervous system yeah. down? Okay, so I have a thing called the parental pause, which is a habit. If we're not able to get ourselves um, consciously into a calm state, it's because we've got a habit of reacting in that moment. And that's because um, we don't have enough of that beautiful serotonin in our brain and we've got too much cortisol. So I actually remember if you can get into it being a new habit, it forms a new neural pathway is we're first thing we take one breath, bend our knees. I know that sounds crazy, but we know that when your knees are locked, you're far more likely to lose your whatever, your mojo. Um, Bend your knees, take another breath, and we're going to come near the child. And what it's saying, okay, so what's happening for my child right now? Because what often is we're being triggered by a similar experience in our childhood where one of our parents has lost it because we've done something similar. And so in that moment, what we're trying to do is ground ourselves, hold ourselves, bring ourselves into the non-reactive space and go, and if we can put our hand on our heart, Chevy, if we, we remind ourselves that we love this child, you know, whatever we've done, you know, at the end of the day, we know we'd lay our life down for this child. Put our hand on our heart, reminds us about being in our heart rather than our head, and then look at our child or our teen and go, you know, my child's not being bad or naughty right now. They're struggling to cope with their world. Let me be what they need, which is a safe base. I know it sounds absolutely crazy, but it's exactly the same as any habit that you may learn. 
And I know that for me, the hand on the heart often did it. Um, it just reminded me to come on, get out of your head, come into your heart. Let's see if I can see what's under this rather than me reacting to the behavior as though there's something wrong with them or me. And then one of the other gems on it really, I keep saying to families, if you can play music that's slower than a heartbeat around your house, you will lower, you will absolutely lower the stress level in your home because we respond to sound and the lower the heartbeat, it'll bring it down. It doesn't have to be super loud. Um, so nature sounds work great. And there's some fabulous free ones on YouTube that are great. Just keep it playing kind of low key because it will actually go into all the bodies in the house mm. and and soothe everything down. So, so it's maybe not have perfect. the TV running no, consistently in the background. <laughs> but at the same time, um, there are some, you know, when our little ones watch the same thing over and over again, it's actually quite calming for them because their brain doesn't have to be predicting what's going to happen because they know. And it's like a familiar friend. Yeah. So that's not a bad thing. As long as it's the same familiar, we get sick of it, don't we? I mean, oh my gosh, my poor husband, he's had to sit through in the night garden far too often. He reckons he'll just um, <laughs> throw the TV out the door if his little granddaughter wants to watch that stupid program again. It is very kooky. But, but can you see? Yes. Yeah. Mind-numbing. It's so mind-numbing <laughs> that it's numbed him to beyond belief. Speaking of being mind-numbing and yep. in the night garden, <laughs> what role does sleep play in creating a calm environment? Oh, it's right at the top of the tree. And I think every now and then when we go through these sleep issues, when we're talking to parents and that, um, and you maybe a child's crawled into their bed again, they're crawling into their not to be naughty. They're crawling into there for some reason, their world doesn't feel as safe as it did before in wherever they're sleeping. And you can't fall asleep until you feel safe. So if they sleep better and if you can sleep better, there's not a problem. But if you can't sleep because they're kicking you in the, you know, tummy and they're putting their toe up your nose, then it's not working. And we've got to work on that. We know that unless you get rapid eye movement, our, our, our body's very busy when we're asleep it's not only moving new learning up into our long-term memory, it's actually rejuvenating cells. It's restoring things. It's actually when it fixes all the stuff. And without it, they're going to start the day like an eight out of 10 on crabby scale. And the same happens for us as parents. You know, if we don't get enough sleep, we are going to be the reactive parent we don't want to be. I just can't stress enough. And that's probably one of the reasons why I went off on my journey of first Tai Chi, I had to work out, yoga is way too slow for me. <laughs> bad to, no, you got to be kidding. I'm not sitting here that long. Whereas uh, <laughs> Tai Chi was very similar breath and movement and it was like a Valium. I just couldn't believe it. So that showed me how I can use my body and my intention to create calmness. And then I found visualizations and relaxations and meditations and I learnt pathways that helped me to sleep. So I love it that I, even a couple of my granddaughters have got these beautiful visualizations that they use to go to sleep or they use the same beautiful nature sound, which then wires the brain. This is turn off time. This is turn off time. This is turn off time. But really the patterns that help all of us to fall asleep, we need to work on those in our families because we have a much happier family and a calmer family when we have good sleep. 
I feel like I want to go for a nap now. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> As usual, I'm going to have to wind up because otherwise I will talk to you forever, Maggie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Keep breathing, Shem. <laughs> I'll try not to forget. <laughs> Maggie Dent, author, podcaster, parenting educator. If you want more information on how to calm, in particular, an anxious child, Maggie has a fantastic one-day course called Calming Today's Anxious Kids. She'll be in Adelaide in October this year and in Melbourne in March next year. I'll put links in the notes of the episode for where you can get some tickets. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes, plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.